Oh yeah, we're ready to eat a W. That was Jameis Winston in his uh, famous Jameis uh, pregame speech. They're talking about eating W's. Yeah, yeah. Hungry ass Jameis, I guess. I don't know. Uh, welcome in, guys. This is the SL uh, Football Guys podcast, South Lot Football Guys, uh, coming into you live. I'm your host. Uh, this is Evan Newberger. To my right, I've got Adam Sidek here in his Mike Evans Bucks jersey. And to my left, we've got Robbie Larson. Rocking the Christian McCaffrey jersey because we are covering the NFC South today, guys. Uh, how we doing? I mean, we're just the second recording. So <laughs> <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing good. Right? Audio difficulties have been a thing today, but yeah, it's been a thing for the last couple. It seems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're trying to get there. We get out of the South. the South has killed us. Troubling recording for us. Oh, man. Well, today is June 8th, guys. Uh, episode four of the podcast. As we said, uh, we're covering, uh, we're continuing our division coverage today with the NFC South. Um, we've covered the AFC East, NFC East, and AFC South already, so check those episodes out when you guys get a chance. But uh, continuing today with the NFC South, as I said, and then we're going to wrap the episode up with uh, a little segment that we call On the Clock. And uh, that's a little bit like non-football related, but it helps you guys get to know us a little bit better. Um, so uh, without further ado, let's just dive into it. Uh, we're starting with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Adam, take it away. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, last year was sort of underwhelming. They went 5-11. and 11. Uh, This year, Vegas has their over-under at 6.5 wins. So a little bit of a, a bump up. Uh, major major off-season additions is, uh, I mean, first you got to look at the head coach, Bruce Arians. Uh, they pried him out of retirement. Uh, I know the Browns were looking after him, wasn't sure where he would end up or if he would be coaching this year, but the Buccaneers uh, hired him to be their head, co- uh, head coach, and I think it's a really good signing to replace Dirk Cutter. They also got just as big, in my opinion, uh, Todd Bowles to be their defensive coordinator. Um, veteran coach, um, no-nonsense guy that's going to take this young young, young defense, in particular the young secondary, and I think uh, – I think this defense is, is on the rise with, with Todd Bowles' squad goals in the, in the helm. Uh, when you look at player player uh, additions, uh, Dom Kinsu, uh, D-tackle, they signed him from the L.A. Rams. Uh, Shaquille Barrett, edge player. Uh, Deion Buchanan, inside linebacker. Um, and then you look at the draft picks, they got Devin White, inside linebacker from LSU with the fifth overall pick. Um, speed's the name of the game with him. He flies all over the field. And they also got two second-round corners, uh, Sean Budding and Jameel Dean, um, to go along with an already young secondary. I think um, that might be surprisingly one of the bigger bigger strengths of this team is going to be the secondary. A lot of good young players, um, and I think Todd Bowles can sort of work his magic with them and uh, turn them into a respectable secondary. Uh, when you look at subtractions for this team, uh, Quan Alexander, inside linebacker, um, is heading to the San Francisco 49ers on a massive deal. Um, sort of applaud the Bucks for not matching that. Yeah. Um, good so player. He, he coming was, off the injury, yeah, too. He's, yeah, he's coming off a pretty gruesome injury. I'm, I'm not giving him four years, $64 million, which he got. Uh, but Unreal. John Lynch is. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam Humphreys also got a massive deal uh, from the Titans. Um, I, I, don't think, I don't think he's worth close to $40 million, but that's, that's just me. 
Um, Gerald McCoy left uh, on pretty bad terms, actually. Yep, they, salty they, about yeah, it. They, they gave, they gave uh, Sue his number. <laughs> so he, he goes to sign with, uh, we're going to talk about him later, the Carolina Panthers in the division. Um, unfortunately, I heard that the home game for the Bucks against the Panthers is in London. So he cannot return to Tampa. Oh, interesting. So that, that sort of sucks for him. That does suck. Yeah, you know, you can't get revenge in London. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, and then um, Vinnie Curry, Deshaun Jackson got traded. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's gone. And then I'm going to mention Jason Pierre-Paul. He's still on the team, but he, uh, he got in a car crash and is dealing with an injury that's going to keep him out until uh, – at the very least, at the very earliest November this year, so he's that's a big loss for them. Um, when you look at the uh, the impact players and strengths of this team, um, it starts with their their downfield passing game. You got famous Jameis Winston, uh, Crab Dealer, Mister Eat the W himself. Um, he he's got a lot to prove this year, but uh, he's definitely got the talent. He's got the pedigree, and I think Bruce Arians could work his magic with him and turn him into uh, above average. Uh, borderline elite quarterback. Um, on the outside, you got Big Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and then OJ Howard in the middle at tight end. I think all three of those options are really good. All three of those guys are really good players, um, high yards, uh, yards per catch players, and I think they're just going to thrive under this deep ball, deep downfield passing offense. On defense, I mentioned Jason Pierre-Paul, Ndamukong Sue. You got uh, Devin White and Levante David and. The linebacker core, those are really good pairing. And then on the outsides, uh, you got Charl- Charlton Davis, second-year corner out of Auburn. Uh, Vernon Hargraves, uh, third-year first-round pick, corner out of Florida. And then Justin Evans at strong safety. Um, so, yeah, strengths, I'm looking at, you know, good coaching staff, um, downfield passing game, and then young talent on the back, back end of that defense, uh, specifically the, the secondary and then the linebacking core. Um, weaknesses definitely going to be the O line. Um, they're bringing back all five starters, but none of these guys push the needle. So all, all sort of you know average to below average starters. Um, go along with that, the running game in general is going to be a weakness. Um, they have Absolutely. Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber as yeah. the running backs. None of those guys are none of those guys are good. Um, and then just the overall youth and the inexperience of this team. But uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what your guys' opinion on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are for this year. Yeah, I, I have concerns about their ability to get after the quarterback. Um, I think that Jason Pierre-Paul inj- uh, injury is huge. Um, I think that's going to really hinder their ability on the defensive side of the football um, to you know, apply pressure. Uh, I think this offense can put up 30 points a game, but – I don't know if the defense can hold teams to under 40, to be honest. Uh, I think signing uh, Todd Bowles to be the defensive coordinator is a great move for them, a step in the right direction. But uh, it's about personnel at a point, too. And, and uh, you know, they're just – I think they did great to get uh, Devin White in the first round, what I think at five overall out of mm-hmm. LSU. That's going to be a great pick for them, uh, a foundational piece to build on. But there's a lot of work to be done there. Um yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they're built to win next year. I think they're going to be around a six and ten, seven and nine football team. That's kind of where I picture them landing. Uh, offensive side of the ball, you know, as we talked about, that running back room is is a mess. Um, I'd say, you know, it's it's anybody's guess right now who's who's going to come out of that uh, as the starter if it's not just a complete uh, timeshare back there. 
I think Peyton Barber has a little bit more trust, but uh, there's a little bit more unknown and maybe potential untapped in uh, Ronald Jones. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this team because I think they're going to be able to put up a lot of points and they're going to be able to stay in a lot of games. But ultimately, I, I just don't think that defense is good enough to carry them to a winning record. Yeah. I mean, I'm off the Peyton Barber train. He's he's awful. He's When, when you see him rush, he, he just – Whenever he gets hit, he goes down. Yeah. Like, I don't think he deserves to have the starting job, whether it's a Bruce Arians offense or whatnot. Um, Somehow he's only 24 years old. Peyton Barber, 24. Really? <laughs> That's shocking. That is shocking. Wow. But, uh, yeah, Rojo, I, I don't know if he's got it either. He's kind of like a one-trick pony, too. He's got no hands. <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to be used as Bruce Arians would want. So, I what what is the run game? I don't think they they're gonna have one. They yeah. might not. I mean, but like like you said, Ronald Jones can't catch the ball, and I, I mean, I don't know. Like maybe you think this team's sort of waiting for roster cuts to pick up a running back. Like you know, it's eventual. There, there's a lot of teams, a lot of good running back in cores that I, you might see a cut or two here, a cut or two there. Maybe this is the team that's sort of waiting in the wings to try to poach a good running back, at least a good pass catching running back from from Matt Heap. But yeah, like. I guess I, I don't believe in Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones. Um, and, and, and I think there might be value in this uh, for the running back of Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially if the offense is going to be as sort of good as we believe it's going to be. But uh, talent-wise, I don't believe in either of those guys. I still think their offensive line is not good. They, I agree. They've not been good for years, and they didn't make any moves that suggest that it's going to change yeah. anytime soon. But which is kind of good for Jameis. He could do his thing and just scramble around and sneak forward for like a couple ten y- rushing yards every now and then when uh, plays break down. Um, but yeah, there's the receivers. I think we could all agree are something to keep an eye on. The receivers and well, Jameis too. Yeah. The passing game in general. What are our thoughts on uh, Godwin right now? Um, Obviously, it's kind of uh, in in fantasy circles. He's uh, he's talked upon as this guy uh, as a real potential breakout star. His ADP is uh, rising fast. Um, Robbie, I think you mentioned he's he's, like he's coming in the fifth round. round. Right yeah, it seems a little he's rich a little, for me. A little high for what he's been. Yeah, I do like the talent and I like the opportunity he's going to have. But yeah, uh, you know. Fifth, sixth round just seems a little high. I know um, you can get Allen Robinson a couple rounds later, and I think you're going to get similar numbers uh, at the end of the day if we're if we're talking fantasy. But um, I, mean, I think at least Allen Robinson. A lot of people don't trust that passing offense. Yeah. They think there's too many mouths to feed. Which I mean, there's a there's a point there, but even still, like Chris Godwin mm-hmm. that high. Very skeptical. Yeah, I mean, it could it could pay off. He could pay off. Yeah, but it's, it, the risk I think is not worth the reward at that at that draft value. I think this could be the OJ Howard like monster season. Like, even though Arians has never really had a good tight end in his uh, coaching career, I think that there's. I mean, you got Mike Evans, you got Godwin. You don't have much of an option in the backfield to throw the ball to. Um. So Their next best weapon is O.J. Howard, and 
OJ Howard's going to be able to work the middle of the field for Jameis. I I think by default, um, you know he's he's gonna he's gonna walk into a fair amount of targets, and and I think the talent's there that he can make the most of them, and he can be a great red zone threat for them. Yeah, I'll give you two stats on OJ Howard. Uh, one good, one bad. Uh, the good one is that he's averaged sixteen point six yards per reception in both years. Okay, um, which is phenomenal. That's good. Phenomenal. Um, the bad stat is he only averaged 4.8 targets per game last year. That's bad. You, you, you I mean, 16.6 is great, and uh, I mean, but if you're only getting that many targets yeah. per game, sort of new sort of offense. Way. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I'm a big believer in OJ Howard this yeah. year. Um, and another, another funky. Cameron Brate's still there. Yeah, 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 he's still there. I'm not sure how much two tight end sets are going to be running, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what this offense is going to be. Um, but an interesting stat on, on Mike Evans, uh, I know a lot of people are going to be looking at, you know, the decision of him, like, you know, middle, second round. Um, but he, he was a pretty good receiver last year, number one wide out, only had four red zone receptions on the year. That's, that's mind boggling to me. If someone that, that big, um, it seems pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. Especially well, since Jameis loves those big rece- receivers that could just out be physical body and try to get his errant throws mm-hmm. and reel him in. I'm yeah, kind of so surprised. He might low. be in for uh, touchdown, uh, touchdown progression there, and definitely see an uptake on uh, the amount of touchdowns he's going to grab this year. And the yards are going to be there for him; they always are. And he's one of the probably top five receivers in the league. I, I can see him being really good value in the second round. You're in the second round of your fantasy draft, guys, and you're. Sitting there faced with the decision of Antonio Brown or Mike Evans. I'm taking Antonio Brown. I thought you would. R- Robbie? Yeah, I'm, ju- I'm just not sure, um, mostly because of the Derek Carr factor. Um, Mike Evans is definitely safer, uh, but I, I can't see a world where Antonio Brown has a top three season yeah. just because he's Antonio Brown and he could get open. Um, I mean, the Think about Antonio Brown. Like you saw Amari Cooper go from Oakland to Dallas and just light it up. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see. I will take Mike Evans there. Game flow is going to be great for both those guys because yeah. neither of those defenses can yep. stop anything. So yeah, I think I true. think you can't really go wrong with either of those yeah. guys in the second round. I, I mean, I I'm probably going to have them in my top four wideouts, both of them this year. Yeah. So um, yeah, both are good options. Just. Just preference on yeah. who you want. Yep. All right. Uh, anything else to add on the Bucks, guys? I don't right. think so. All right. Moving on now to the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers. <laughs> now I'm gonna have a little couple uh, Carolina hot sauce takes on them. Oh, okay. A couple that I think is against the public, but just to give a little little uh, rundown of what they're going with, they still got. Their whole coaching staff around Riverboat Ron's no, of working course. his magic. He had Nerf 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 Turner. Nerf Turner. Nerf Turner. Um there was seven nine team with a lot of that coming um off the a bad second half, mostly because Cam Newton was a little beat up with his shoulder. Um so they kind of struggled down the stretch, um, which um could lead them to have the potential to have a 500 or better season um as far as a couple subtractions they had they lost the khalil brothers in the offensive line um 
They lost Thomas Davis, um, which he is going to... Um, I know he I, was like I, 38 years old. I, I think he, he went to um, the Chargers, I would like to say. Really? Yes, I, I'm pretty sure he's still playing. But fact check me on that. Oh, one. yeah. Los Angeles Chargers. Go Chargers. The Chargers. Um, but they ended up getting from Buccaneers Gerald McCoy. Um, they got Bruce Irving to get a little bit on the end, and they got a first rounder in Brian Burns as a D end, uh, which could help with that pass rush. Um, and they added new center in Matt Paredes which I think will help out. Um, but overall, um, this is a, it's a lot of like the same team you're going to see. They lost Funches too. Uh, I didn't think that was a big loss, to be quite honest. I don't think Funches is um, that good of a wide receiver, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, one of my hot take, hot sauce takes I'm having on the Panthers comes down to one date. And this is affecting this guy right here that I'm wearing the jersey on, okay. Christian McCaffrey. So October 25th, or 20, October 24th, was the first reports of Camp Newton shoulder limited in Wednesday's practice, and that is the turning point for McCaffrey. First, so weeks one through seven, uh, before this injury popped up, he was um, running back 11, I think, on a per game basis it was running back nine because they had to buy during that time um but afterwards he just exploded from there on he was running back number one wow and i think a lot of that had to do with cam's throwing shoulder and him struggling to throw the ball i think we're talking when went away from him inside the 10 too cam cam historically takes those carries inside the 10 yard line yep he that and that's that's one of the Big things that big concerns about McCaffrey going into last season, if you remember, how many of those red zone touchdowns is Cam gonna steal? And you saw a lot of Cam just in the red zone instead of trying to force it in, he either hands it off to McCaffrey or he just dumps it out because he doesn't want to try to dumps force it a throw. Like a laptop out the window. And you saw <laughs> you saw McCaffrey go from first seven weeks only one touchdown. Up to I'm not even sure how many touchdowns he got in the second half, but yeah. it was the majority of his touchdowns, and I think you're going to see a huge regression. And for people who are looking at McCaffrey as a top four pick, I think they're going to be highly disappointed because Cam's going to come back healthy. He's going to start slinging it a little more to his receivers, try to thread it in in the red zone, and you're going to miss those touchdowns. I think McCaffrey's a solid player. He's got a great floor, um, but just with all his receptions he gets. But I don't, I don't think he's going to re- repeat what he did last year. Um, let me let me play devil's advocate here. I I agree with you. Um, I think Christian McCaffrey's really risky in the first four picks. But I mean, their offense when Cam was healthy for the first part portion of last year was wasn't like phenomenal, you know. Um, they got a really young receiving core. I think they could step up. I, what, what if this offense, you know, becomes a top, top eight offense in the league? You think Chris McCaffrey could, you know, see, see, you know, return value at top four pick with a improved offense, even if Cam's stealing a touchdown or two here and there. 
Well, the concern with that too, to me, is that there's so many running backs that got hurt, like um, that just and that didn't have uh, like Le'Veon Bell. He he just held out the whole year. He's a guy who's coming back who could threaten those top running backs. Um, you've got David Johnson, who was in a very terrible offense, and he was a low-end running back one. Now he's got a, this new high-powered offense, whether it's high-powered or not, but he's got a chance to be in the top up there too. Mm-hmm. You had James Conner, who was um, he was having a really good season, but he ended up having, what was it, a sprained ankle, mm-hmm. um, which – I mean, that doesn't seem like you'd have nagging injuries from that. He's got a chance to be up there. Um, Joe Mixon, bad offense. He was still, what, a running back one? And now they've buffed up their offense. Adam, I know you love the Bengals this year. And I agree with you on that one. Joe Mixon could be top one. So I think McCaffrey's a safe player week to week. But if you're looking for what he did the second half of last year, I think you're going to be disappointed. Which is what you're kind of going for with those top three, four guys. I, I completely agree. There are reports out of camp that Ron Rivera is, you know, making it a priority to not give Christian McCaffrey over 250 carries again. Um, that too. Yeah, I, I think he might come in around, you know, 220. And I think that's probably what's best for him and the organization. Uh, I think they just sort of got in a bind at the end of last year trying to, you know, gut their way into the playoffs with a hurt cam. But, uh, yeah, I, I, comp- I completely agree with everything you're saying. I think he's... He's a risky pick in the top five of fantasy drafts, week 11. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's got a lot of potential, but I wonder about just kind of like the game flow that the Panthers have historically played. That's a team that likes to eat up clock, uh, run the ball between the tackles, uh, short passing, you know, kind of keep the clock moving offense. And a lot of times that that lends itself more to twenty to sixteen wins rather than thirty one twenty four. So, you know, the scoring opportunities aren't going to be as high as a team, say like the Falcons or the Saints. Um, I I wonder about McCaffrey's ability, as Robbie pointed out, with a healthy Cam, because when Cam is healthy. Inside the 10-yard line, I think one of the toughest plays to stop in the NFL on any given player is that inside the 5, inside the 10-yard line, uh, quarterback draw that Cam typically runs. Um, yeah. Just there's so much you have to guard there. Um, it's it's nearly impossible for those linebackers to play that. Uh, you know, I, I tend to think that a healthy Cam is going to eat up some of those touches again. And I think Cam is a guy that will call his own number inside the five a lot, too, at the line. Um, so we'll see. I, I I am not comfortable with him as a top five pick. Um, I think I'd be taken in standard leagues. I'd be taking Hopkins before I'd take McCaffrey. I, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, um, I'm taking Melvin Gordon ahead of McCaffrey. And just, just to add to that, one more thing about Cam. Um, so I looked at the intended air yards um, mm-hmm. when he was healthy. So intended air yards, pretty much um, every time he throws, uh, where is he? How far down the field on average is he looking? So when he was healthy, first seven weeks of the season, it was he was throwing it uh, seven point seven yards, 
um, which was one of the higher in the leagues. And then after we that injury report came out, it dropped down to 6.4 yards, um, which w- would be one of the lowest of the leagues. So you saw you saw a clear uh, Cam not trying to heave it out too much and just playing safe. Okay. So whether he continues that next year, I don't I don't think he does. I think he's gonna um, try to throw it like he has been in the past. What are you guys' views on this receiving core? Um, so that's my second take. If you're ready for this, this one's a little ahead. hotter take. Go ahead. I know you're a DJ Moore guy. Curtis Samuel is going to have a better season than DJ. Oh, Moore. Thank you, oh, thank man. you. Coming yes. from a DJ Moore guy, you know Curtis what? Samuel. Thank you. I I turned the page, um, because <laughs> Bob, Bob Seeger turned the page. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was kind of looking at. So you had Curtis Samuel miss the first couple weeks. Um, I can't remember what the injury was, but it he kind of was slow to get back involved. Um, I found something that. So if you just look at the weeks, um. DJ Moore versus Curtis Samuel. DJ Moore was better. Um, but I noticed something. Week 12 was the week Funches went out with some injury. So before that, Curtis Samuel only had a snap share of, at most per game of like 20 to 30% each game. And then week 12, he started seeing like nine in the 90s. He was starting to get involved, which is why I, I think this coaching staff saw him, saw him play. And which also ultimately led to the decision of them getting rid of Funches yep. in the offseason. Um, but in that stretch of five games, yeah, given that, I mean, granted, that's a small sample size. Um, every The stats favor Curtis Samuel. Targets go Curtis Samuel. Eight targets compared to 6.8 for DJ Moore. Four receptions compared to 3.4. Uh, receiving yards, 59.6 compared to 44.6. Um, he had one touchdown compared to D.J. Moore zero. Yeah. Um, everything just points to Curtis Samuel. Just, I think him getting the – D.J. Moore is looked at as the better receiver, which I think he, he might be. Um, but I don't think Curtis Samuel is too far behind, and he's getting that secondary coverage, yep. which just opens him up to be good fantasy-wise. I, I think this is more of a 1A and 1B That's type exactly wide receiver room. Um, DJ Moore, is the he's got the better natural hands, but Samuel is electric with the ball in his hands. Yeah, um, he, he's, he was a, what, second round, early second yeah. round because they had an yeah. early pick, so he was probably not too much far off from DJ Moore at, what, 24th overall, yeah, I'd like fourth. to say? Yeah. I am extremely high on Curtis Samuel. So I, I think Curtis Samuel yeah. is the one who's going to have, especially if you get him at a cheaper price, give me Curtis Samuel all day. Do you know where his – I think you're going to be able to get him cheaper than DJ Moore. Do you know I where his ADP is right now? I think DJ Moore is somewhere around like 7th, 6th, 7th. I think both these I guys. I think Curtis Samuel is like 11th. Yeah. I, but I, I'm, I'm putting my foot down right here. Curtis Samuel is having a better year. And I think that's a definite hot take. Yeah, it, I, I, it is. I, my concern is, I mean, e- either guy, whoever it is, are they going to be good enough to sustain, like, you know, good fantasy numbers? I mean, it could be, Curtis Samuel could be the number one for Carolina and still only get, like, 700 yards, maybe four touchdowns. I, I mean, in, in games together, just for perspective, in half-point leagues, um, they're both um, throughout the year averaging, like, nine points a game. Which I mean, it's it's 
not I don't think there is a huge ceiling just you because bum shoulder cam though too. That is true. Um but and also to the that point, um the argument I made against McCaffrey, um I don't think it's gonna be the same for Curtis Samuel because he was still getting deep looks. Um it wasn't like something where he was just getting short dump offs yeah. and then just breaking out. He was getting all types of looks. Um so I think healthy cam is not gonna change that too much. Um, but either way, um, yeah, I, I don't expect a high ceiling from both either of these wide receivers, but as kind of wide receiver I, two or three, I think Curtis Samuel is a thousand yard receiver this year. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fire take. Yeah. I am. I'm extremely high on him. I, I envision that I'm going to wind up with him on a lot of my fantasy teams just cause I'm, I'm willing to take him probably as high as the. I'd probably take him in the eighth round, ninth round at drafts uh, when he's, he's so his going a his bit pace later. on in those last five games, um, he was at a nine fifty three yards yeah. per now, season. Now, do you think any of that had to do with Cam not being able to throw the ball downfield and Curtis Samuel being more of a um, sort of between the numbers like middle of the field type player that you know has a lot? No, of I, don't, I don't think so. I think he was, he was still getting looks downfield. Yeah. Okay. Cam was looking for him, like trying to beat a. Guy passed and Cam would just heave it, <laughs> trying to try to heave it over the mountain to yeah, get it to him. Cam at the end of the year looked so funny because he was trying so hard he to throw was. the ball and it just wasn't going. Anymore. It looked like he would <laughs> try to sling yeah. like a fifty-yard bomb and it goes like ten yards. Yeah, he was he was playing he was playing through stuff. Give him credit. He was though. he yeah. was yeah. Um, Robbie, what's your thoughts on this defense uh, as they head into twenty nineteen? This defense, I. I don't think they're going to be a whole lot different um, than what they were mm-hmm. last year. I think they're going to be a solid defense, nothing spectacular. But I, I think this is a pretty overall just a solid team. No more Julius Peppers. No more Julius Peppers. That that made it real hot in Carolina hot. Oh, <laughs> all those peppers. All those peppers. Yeah, that's a that's a guy that you know, just defied his age year after year. Um, yeah, he's hanging him up though. He might be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, I, I can see so. Without yeah. absolutely. I th- I think he should be. Probably going as a Panther, I'd assume. Yeah, yeah. Well, not as a Bear. Not as a Bear. No, <laughs> maybe a Packer. Bears gave up on him a little bit. Early. No, he wouldn't go in as. A, he, he didn't win. No, he didn't win the Super Bowl with the Packers. No, no, no. no he's not going in as a. He's going in as a Panther. But right. yeah. Anyways, I. I think we would uh we would like to remind you that if your car tank is nearing empty, if you're seeing the meter leaning towards E, then you better make sure you go with Oasis Octane. Oasis Octane uses some of the finest gasoline from here to Manchester. Treat your car with the champagne of gl- gas and it'll blast off like a supernova in the highway. Founder Liam Gallagher's mission statement was the same back in 91 as it is now, to give you no regrets so you don't look back in anger. <laughs> don't be a bonehead about this. Find your morning glory in Oasis Octane and turn your car into a Wonderwall. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Oasis Octane. Thank you, Oasis Octane. Yeah. Uh, fantastic sponsor. Uh, man, yeah, they... Good uh, company. Yeah, stand by me, Oasis. Yeah, uh, wow, wow. That's that's awesome. That's a full tank of freedom right there. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. All right, guys, uh, let's get into the Falcons here. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, Oasis Octane. That's that's <laughs> awesome. 
All right, guys, getting into it. Um, the Falcons finished up 7-9 and last year. Kind of a disappointing season for them, uh, largely based on injuries, though. Uh, lost Keanu Neal very early on in the season uh, to a bad knee injury. In fact, he tried to play through it like a complete hero and then like immediately just collapsed on the field like the next play. Um, he had to take a kneel. Yeah, jeez. Oh, <laughs> Um, also lost Deion Jones, a uh, significant piece of that defense. Uh, he missed, uh, I think, 10 games last year. Uh, he really holds the middle of that defense together at, at the linebacker position. So that's a tough one, but um, just injury ravaged. Uh, part of the good thing about those injuries, though, was it gave opportunities to other guys. And one guy that really took advantage of that was uh, DeMonte Casey. Uh, DeMonte Casey came in to play safety due to all the injuries and uh Actually led the uh, the NFL in interceptions last year with seven. Uh, really a breakout season for him in, in year two. You sure that's not a... Uh, a Fugazi? A Fugazi. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a, that's a, that's a Demonte Casey, not a Fugazi. Um, no, I had a, had a really good year, uh, second year. Excited to see what he can do now. Um, I assume he's going to take over that full-time starter job at safety alongside Keanu Neal. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what he can do. But was an electric player last year. Made a lot of big time plays for them. So we'll see. Uh, in terms of off season moves, I mean, I think the biggest reason to be excited about this team is just that they're getting healthy again. But uh, not a lot of uh, subtractions from this roster. Uh, their main focus really in the off season on the addition side was adding to this O line. So they brought in James Carpenter from the Jets. He's going to be their uh, starting right guard. Uh, solid veteran player, um, got him on a decent contract. I think he's getting like five million a year for three years. So uh, he's in his age thirty season. You know, nice veteran presence. So I think that was a good move to shore up the interior of that line. Um, and then in the draft, they really addressed the position. Uh, they had two first round picks. Uh, Chris Lindstrom uh, is a guard. They drafted him, I believe, at fourteen. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be a great pick for them, too. Uh, just really focusing on the O-line. And they also uh, added Caleb McGarry uh, to play tackle. So, yeah, just a real strong focus here on the offensive line, which, which uh, I'm a big fan of. I've got a question for you about the O-line. Are you concerned at all for them having a slow start for just having all these guys never play with each other before? Yeah, yeah. I mean, factor that into with a new offense. Uh, so all new language. Uh, a lot of these guys are seeing Dirk Cutter for the first time. We know Dirk Cutter had his first stint with Atlanta a few years ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's dealing with a completely new O-line here for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, sure, there's going to be some adjustment there. But I, I think these guys can can uh, jump in and, and there'll be an improvement over uh, the O-line play from last year. One thing, uh, one thing to note here is on the offensive side of the ball, I still think that this team is prolific. Uh, they're a pro- prolific passing offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, options all over the field. I mean, starting off at the top, Julio Jones, coming into his age 29 season, had another monster year last year, uh, actually played all 16 games. I know the stigma on him is injury prone. The thing is, like, He's often hampered with injuries, but he usually he, plays, yeah, through he plays, plays through them. Yeah, so I think it's a little bit unfair when people pick on him for being injury prone because he's truly a warrior. And well, he, he, he's he's one of those guys that you're just sweating out, especially if he's got Sunday games because you don't know if he's going to play right. week in, week out. Sunday right. afternoon yeah, he's games got the, too. He's got the injury scariest tag the along with The injury scariest. Hall player. Um, but yeah, I mean, started off at the top there. Yeah, just a 
unbelievable talent Julio Jones is. I think he he's not uh, he's not running out of gas. He doesn't need Oasis Octane uh, anytime <laughs> soon. So uh, other than that, though, I mean Sanu on the outside is also a very good option, very good number two, and then Kelvin Ridley uh, kind of in that slot swing role for them. Had an amazing rookie year, 850 yards, 10 touchdowns. I look to him. I don't know if he can improve on those touchdown numbers. I, I anticipate a little bit of a regression there. But I think the yardage, he could stay right about there. If not, uh, start sniffing that 1,000-yard range. Uh, I think he's a great talent, great route runner. Uh, he's a little bit older, so he's a little bit more polished. Um, yeah, you know, he, he kind of came in and didn't miss a beat last year. So I'm excited to see what he can do in his sophomore season. Um, Matt Ryan has been great, really, for the last three years. Um, really kind of took that step from, you know, average middle-of-the-road quarterback, uh, kind of a game manager, to uh, elite status, really earning that contract that he got from the Falcons. Um, and I look for that to continue as well this year. I think uh, he's going to continue to show – that uh, he's a top 10 quarterback in this league. And I think, you know, that's another one of these guys. I don't anticipate him being targeted in a lot of uh, fantasy drafts, but I think you can take him and play him with confidence. Uh, defensive side of the ball. So, like I said, uh, they dealt with a ton of injuries last year, but I think uh, having Deion Jones back for a full year and Keanu Neal will be good, not to mention uh, emerging star uh, Demonte Casey, uh you know, getting a full season under his belt here as a starter would be great. Uh, my concern, though, on the defensive side of the ball, and really what I think a lot of what this team's success is going to revolve around, is their defensive line play, and in particular, the edge play of Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley. Uh, both guys drafted in the first round for this team. Uh, Vic Beasley obviously had that monster rookie season. Um, Really is disappointed ever since, though. Only had five sacks last year. Uh, Tech McKinley uh, showed flashes at points last year as well, but uh, ultimately, you know, didn't didn't really jump off. Uh, I mean, we weren't. He wasn't in anywhere near a conversation for defensive uh, rookie of the year or anything like that. Uh, I I do think that Tech McKinley is was kind of a raw player coming out, and I think he'll grow into. Uh, that role a little bit more this year. I expect a little bit better performance this year. My concern primarily lies on Vic Beasley, though. A um, couple of years in a row now of, of disappointing seasons. Um, in my film review, he I, I watched a lot of games where he wasn't he wasn't even double teamed most of the time, and and uh, you know just was really failing to make an impact. Uh, a lot of these games. Has he been good since the Super Bowl no, season? No, no, he really hasn't been, and and that's. You know, the Falcons need him, and they need Tack McKinley on the outside to generate pass rush. Uh, Grady Jarrett's solid in the middle for that team, but, uh, you know, they're they're going to struggle if they can't generate pass rush, uh, you know, with, with those two edge players, especially given that they invested that first-round draft capital into both of them. So I think a lot of their season uh, swings on that. I'm, I think Tack McKinley can bounce back, have a nice year, but Vic Beasley – this is the show me season for him. I I think if it's another average year for him, uh, you know I I wonder if the Falcons are, are really considering uh, an extension for him uh, off of his rookie contract. So we'll see. But um, interested to get your guys' thoughts on this team. Well, I think the one good thing for this uh, pretty I'd say prolific pass offense and having Julio Jones and uh, Calvin Ridley is that they've got. 
13 out of 16 of, of their games indoors. Yep. Um, which is just phenomenal to if, if you're a passing team like they are um, to just be able to take advantage of. Um, I really like having that um, and these offensive weapons. I think they're going to be able to point, put up a lot of points. Um, but um, overall, yeah, the defense just being beat up all, all last year. Uh, I think they've got a good shot at making the playoffs this year um, and just definitely improve on from where they're at last year. Yeah, I mean, you look at and, – and this happens to a lot of you know teams that were in the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl. They start having to pay guys, and they make sacrifices. They, a lot of teams try to stick with their starters and their key players, but where that where you have to sacrifice is some of those depth pieces. And you saw it last year. A lot of their defensive starters got hurt, and some of the fill-ins. Uh, Casey was good, but a lot of the fill-ins on defense were not up to the par that they needed to be. Um, and I think that depth is still an issue for this team. It's going to come down to injuries. Um, you know, if it, you, you could see some injuries happen on the offensive defense side of the ball, you might see this team go, you know, six and 10, seven and nine, um, talented team. I mean, their starters are, you know, some of the best group of starters in the league, at least in the NFC, but, um, not a lot of depth pieces behind them. Um, and it, it could hurt them if, if they sustain a lot of injuries in the early part of the season, like they did last year. Yeah, that's true. What are uh, what are you guys thoughts on Devontae Freeman going forward? I know this is somebody that I'm pretty high on this year. I think he's undervalued in a lot of fantasy drafts, and uh, I'm I'm I think I'm going to wind up with him on a lot of teams. I think uh, sometimes you got to follow the money. Atlanta gave him a ton of cash uh, when they restructured his contract and extended him. Uh, really made the choice to go with Devontae Freeman over Tevin Coleman, and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see. I I think you know. I know he's got an injury history, but I think, uh, you know, they'll lean on him heavy this year. And if he can stay healthy, I think, you know, he could be a uh, top five potential running back again. He's on my uh, all I know it's out of touch list. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm just too concerned about the injuries. Um, Maybe I think you're out of mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's very true. I, I, I could see this going either way. I mean, if he stays healthy, um, I can easily see him being a number one running back. Um, an RB1. I just don't see that happening. He's dealt with a lot numerous injuries, leg injuries. Um, I'm most worried about the concussion issues he's had, yeah. multiple concussions. That's something you can't play around with. Um, and, you know, the NFL, the, these team health stats are not going to let you play through that. They're not going to let you mess around with. Yeah. And, you know, science says that it's more likely to get a concussion if you've had previous ones. And yeah. so I, that's my big concern. Um, having said that, I am a fan of drafting Edo Smith as one of the priority handcuffs late late in the, the double-digit rounds. Um, Don't hate that. Yeah, I mean, even if he gets one or two starts on the year, those could be valuable, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. he, I could see him being an RB1-2 if he gets, you know, he the majority also, of the carries for the He could even potentially play like a Tevin Coleman, mm -hmm. like secondary role, and still add value on a weekly basic basis. But, um it might not be what shooting for the stars like you would hope, um, but he could definitely have some input in like your flex or something. Okay. Um, all right, guys. Anything else to add on the Falcons? Or are we ready to move on to the Saints? Bye bye, Sark. Bye bye, Sark. R.I.P. Sark. R.I.P. Sark. Oh. You can find him at your local tavern. <laughs> oh. oh, we got a. Uh oh, uh oh, uh -oh. strip tease oh. going on here. Wait a sec. Oh, we Robbie has transitioned from the Christian McCaffrey jersey to the. 
always a beloved Color Rush jersey for the New Orleans Saints. We're looking at a Michael numbers. Thomas with the gold numbers. Oh, oh yeah. That's, that's a fire jersey oh, right there. Oh, gosh. It's absolute. Oh, man. This, this thing's just beautiful. That brings um, back PTSD for me because the Color Rush game was the one where Kamara got his concussion. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Robbie, take us to the Saints. So, Saints, they were they were uh, they were one of the better teams in the league last year. They kind of got a little bit. You could say they got a little screwed in the playoffs with that uh, no call on the pass interference. They could have maybe potentially gone to the Super Bowl, um, but they also had chances to finish the game too. Um, anyways, they're a thirteen three team last year, um, winning the NFC South. Uh, they still got. Their main core group of Sean Payton, Dennis Allen at DC. Um, one of the big changes um, to the offseason was uh, retirement of Matt Sunger um, at yep. center. Just losing that piece in the middle, it's always terrible. Uh, they tried to go at it right away. Um, what a they, great trade for them, though, when they traded oh, absolutely. Uh, Seattle. Graham for Unger. That that totally that seemed phenomenal. Like that was a phenomenal trade for the Saints. That was a terrible trade for the Seahawks. Yeah. Like even then, like getting an old and busted tight end to lose one of the best centers in the yeah. league. Um, but anyways, yeah, they try to replace it in the draft with Eric McCoy, drafting him in the second round, and they also traded for Nick Easton. Um, so one of, I mean, probably Nick Easton's going to step up into that role and try to make things work. Um, I I don't think he'll be as good as Max Unger, but um, should be a suitable replacement. They the Saints also went after uh, Jared Cook in the off season to try to get that uh, tight end weapon to replace uh, Ben Watson, and um, they to replace uh, Mark Ingram. They went after uh, Latavius Murray, put, paid him a pretty long contract. Um, not not too bad. I think it was like fourteen mil over four years. Um, but anyways, they, they grabbed, also added Malcolm Brown to the their uh, defense. Um, they lost Alex Okafor. So they're, they're kind of, in my opinion, a little bit of a wash um, offseason. They're still going to be good competing for the playoffs. Um, they, they might not be as good as 13-3, and three, in my opinion, um, especially with some of these NFC South teams on the come up, um, like the Falcons, who just had a pretty uh unlucky year panthers again injuries kind of hurt um but they're still going to be a playoff team competing for the super bowl um and you got obviously you got a great offense in drew Brees slinging it out to michael thomas um you got kamara still in the backfield um this this team is they're they're a winning team and there's no reason they shouldn't be Super Bowl contenders again this year. Um, so, anyways, what do you what do you guys think? Um, uh, I think I think this team's gonna continue to compete. Kind of went the same route as the Patriots did in terms of uh, you know changing the look of the offense around your aging quarterback to be more of a run heavy team, yep. uh, focus on the short passing game. Um, I think I think the Saints kind of lucked into it a little bit. I don't I don't even think they knew what they were getting in Alvin Kamara when they drafted him. But uh, I mean, really, just he he's the, I, 
correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Elvin Kamara is the identity of that offense at this point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'd say so. Just an absolutely prolific player. Uh, probably my favorite player to watch in the NFL, to, wa- uh, to be honest, right now. Just um, Only probably? Because I'm pretty sure you're you're the biggest Kamara. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 yeah, it's I'm comfortable saying that he's my favorite. He's my favorite player to watch in the NFL. His his balance is unbelievable, uh, given his size. Like he just refuses to go down and he bounces off guys. Uh, truly an amazing talent. But I I think this team's going to continue to uh, continue to be solid. Their defense is uh, good enough. Um, interesting to see how Marcus Davenport does. Year two, I think he's still more of a project. I don't know that we're going to see his full potential come out here even after a year in the NFL. Uh, I think he might kind of be a guy to look to break out maybe in a year or two down the road. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, at any rate, I mean, they still got uh, Cameron Jordan, who continues to just play at an all-pro level. Um, You know, this, this team will continue to compete. I, I, I have no worries about them uh, taking any sort of step back uh, in terms of their level of play. I, I, I fairly, I'm very comfortable in saying that I think this team will make the playoffs again in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Um, just looking at, you know, the strengths of this team, their front four with uh, Cameron Jordan, Sheldon Rankins, uh, newly signed Malcolm Brown, hell of a nose tackle and Marcus Davenport. I mean, if all of them stay healthy and Davenport's, Davenport takes that next step, um, that's that's one of the best front four in the league. Yep. Um, three of those guys are first-round picks. Malcolm Brown was a second-round pick. Um, that, that's a hell of a front four. And to go along with, you know, the Ohio State guys in the back with uh, Eli Apple, Von Bell, and Marcus, uh, Marcus Lattimore. Yep. I, I think this is maybe the and you saw it you saw it at the end of last year. This might be the year where you know the defense is actually the better unit as opposed to the offense. And I thought New we were seeing that last year though. Yeah, yeah. You, there was you, a lot of hype, mm-hmm. and then they started off real slow. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they started off slow again, um, and then just finally found their uh, juju. Mm-hmm. Um, just just kind of like what the Patriots do. They always start off slow to kind of work into being a full go during the playoffs come playoff time yeah i think this is maybe a defensive draft um you might not even you might not even last year you might not even (laughs) need to draft them uh you might be able to just pick them up off of waivers at the end but i with the amount of sacks that this team can get with their front four and there are a lot of playmakers in the back that can make uh you know grab a lot of interceptions i I, i'd like this as a defensive unit i I definitely think that they're going to be in a top 10 come the end of the year um offensively I do have concerns, and um, pretty much my only concern is that they don't have a lot of depth behind Michael Thomas. So <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask, yeah. what happens if Michael Thomas gets like, hurt? If he gets hurt, they don't got. I mean, Jared Cook is probably their next best pass catcher, and I don't. You can't. You can't. You can't win an NFL Trayvon game with. Smith would yeah. have to step up, or uh, Ted Ginn's still there. Austin Carr. I, Bunch I of mean, mediocrity. You're relying heavily on Michael Thomas and and Elvin Kamara on this offense. Those are the two pieces. If one of them go down, you might see this team sort of offensive spiral. No respect spiral. for Lat is good, but, I mean, he, he, you see it all the time. Kamara's not getting 100% of the Lat carries. Murray you isn't going to line up in the slot. Yeah, you need two running backs in this offense. Elvin Kamara is doing for the Saints what Lev Bell did for the Steelers for so many years in terms of just his versatility on the offensive side of the ball, too be used in a various numerous ways. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, the, Latavius Murray cannot 
cannot make up for an Alvin Kamara. I think if Alvin Kamara were to get hurt, I think the Saints would probably have to toss out 20% of their offense. But, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Adam. I'm, I'm worried about a Michael Thomas injury as well. There's just not a lot of depth there behind yeah. him. It's all offensive skill positions. They don't have a lot of depth, and that, that's a concern for me, especially with a team that played late in the year last year in the playoffs. Um, I mean, if they stay, if those guys stay healthy, though, this, there's no, I don't see any chance of this team not being a playoff team. Yep. All right, guys, anything else to add on the Saints? I think I'm good. All yeah. right, let's get into the over-unders here. So over-unders for this division, we're, we're going to start off Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got a nice uh, six-and-a-half games. So what, what do you guys think? How about we start with uh, Mike Evans over there? Oh, Mike, Big Mike Evans is taking the over on that one. I, I just think that with the, just, just the coaching staff and sort of an identity with that team, some um, you know, established coaches in the NFL, they got, they got the talent. They got young talent. Um, I don't see them winning, you know, nine games, but eight, seven. They they got they got a chance, and I I I I I'd put the odds a little bit higher that they win seven games as opposed to winning six games or below. Yeah, I think realistically this is probably a don't touch for me. But if I had to pick something, I'm picking the over. I I agree with Adam. I think they're going to wind up at about seven seven wins, uh, maybe eight. Um, you know they'll. They'll get a couple nice performances at home. Uh, they'll catch some teams off guard in the heat, and uh, you know they'll. I think they'll win a couple games that they shouldn't, um, and and that'll kind of carry them towards something pretty close to five hundred. Yeah, I don't think it's that would be that hard for them to get two more wins than what they got last year. Yeah. I'm taking the over. Yep. I, I feel pretty pretty confident with that one. Yeah, that's a consensus over for me. Wow. Okay. What's uh What's next? So next we got the Carolina Panthers Carolina. hanging at seven and a half. Ooh, ooh! I will take the over. I'm. I think that's pretty low for them. I think so too. I, I'm taking the over. I think they're at least a 500 team. Yeah. You get a he- healthy Cam back. I mean, you look at them first half of the season when they had a healthy Cam, they were winning ball games. If Cam yeah. plays 16 games. I can't see that team not not getting the 500. See, uh, yesterday we did a podcast of the AFC South, and Vegas had all all four teams at a, at 500 or above. I can see this division finishing as all four teams either yeah. at 500 or above. I, I, I think it's more likely for this division yeah, than no, the AFC South. I, I, I completely agree. Um, no, I, I would I would take the over on seven and a half. I I just think if Cam's healthy. That offense is going to get rolling again. They started off 6-2 and two last year. I, I could see them getting 8-9 wins. Cam's healthy. Yep. All right, so uh, I think we're all in the over then. Um, over. What's uh, what's next? we got the Falcons. Falcons sitting at 9. 9. Ooh. That's another Ooh. one. I'm, I'm going to take the over. I'm feeling over too. I think they're going to wind up at about 10 wins. I mean, reality. And I, reality I, for me, that's a that's going to be a no touch. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Just because there's so much, there's so much competition. See, if if it was at, you know, eight and a half, I'd probably take the over. Yeah. At nine, I don't know if they're going to win ten games I in think this tough division. They'll probably push on yeah. that number. Yeah. But. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna take the under though. Duh. Just just based on how tough their tough division. division is. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Uh, and then finally we got the Saints. Saints at ten and a half. Over. So, 
Hmm. I'm going over too. Yeah, they, I, that's a hungry team. They had the Super Bowl celebration <laughs> during the Super Bowl last year. People out in Bourbon Street partying. They, they didn't have the the Super Bowl on television. That's a team that is pissed off at what happened. I think they're coming out the gates determined. Yeah, I think they. Uh, that's a very good point. I I do think this is pretty good, well-rounded team. Especially you don't they know. They could how, get it done. They've done it many, before. You don't know how many years Sean Payton and Drew Brees have left together. I, I think you're going to see a focused and determined team this year. I, I can definitely see them winning well above 10.5 games. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you guys. Uh, Sean Payton's too good of a coach, and um, I don't think you can find somebody – maybe outside of Tom Brady that's a better on-field coach than Drew Brees. We already talked about they've invested so much into that defense over the last three, four years uh, that it's really probably the predominant unit on the team. Um, yeah, I, like you said, this team's hungry. As long as they can keep uh, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas healthy, I, I I don't see this team winding up with anything less than 12 win, wins. Um, yeah. Yep, that's, that's pretty fair. Yeah, right. I, I think this division overall is just better than what Vegas is is putting out at. Yeah, I yeah think this we can is all agree this is a one. tough yeah. division. Yeah, this, this is, is going to be yeah. a really tough one. All right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up with on the clock. Uh, Robbie, what do you have for us today? So since we're uh, going to be going to a ball game later, the question is: Would you prefer a day or a night game? Ooh, ooh. ooh. I mean, a lot of people don't have to make that decision, you know. Like we're, we're we're fortunate here in Chicago to have the Cubs in a lot of day games, but uh, I'm gonna have to go night game. Big night game guy, you know, under the lights, you know, a little bit cooler in the summer, not sitting in the heat. Well, I think all three of us are prone to sunburns here. <laughs> <laughs> Anti sunscreen, true, but uh, yeah, I just prefer the the night games. Uh, yeah, I uh, I'm gonna go the opposite way. I I love uh, part of the one of the reasons I uh, I've always loved the Cubs so much is just because uh, that day baseball. I mean, I love. Uh, there's nothing better than taking off a Friday and going to a 120 game and sitting in the bleachers in the sun. I mean, uh, it's a good time. Yeah, I, I I've always loved the day baseball. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to like follow along to something when you're at work too. Uh, yeah, I'm a fan of it. Robbie, what's your yeah. take? So I went to one game last year, a day game, where it was like 103 or something, <laughs> and that was awful. Couldn't even sit in the seats, but I'm still I, – uh, I love <laughs> those day games. Day games. <laughs> still rolling the day games. I I'll, I don't care. Cover me in sweat, whatever. Like, th- <laughs> those are those are the best games to go to. You know, you, it's summer. You got to um, – you got to enjoy the sun while you can. Absolutely. Give me the sun. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks for coming out again. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Uh, we're going to be coming at you guys next with the uh, Western divisions here. We're going to start off with the AFC West, and then we'll hit the NFC West on the next episode. But uh, for Adam and Robbie, thanks for coming in, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.